Thanks for downloading this message from Devoted 2015, a Christ Central festival for all the family. Christ Central is part of New Frontiers, and our distinctives are made up of four priorities. Being friends, enjoying God together, building churches empowered by word and spirit, advancing the kingdom, transforming the world, and reaching nations, making disciples. Devoted is just one event, but you can find out more about Christ Central and other training opportunities at ChristCentralChurches.org. For more about Devoted, please visit DevotedEvent.org. Thanks for listening. See you next year. A very warm, devoted welcome. That's the first person who's ever said that. Uh, Lovely to see you. My name's Martin Charlesworth, and in case you're wondering, I had an accident the other day and I banged my head. So if you see a little mark there, don't think about it again because it's not a big deal. Right, on with the business. Um, uh, This is the social engagement zone. We're very pleased to see you. Um, I've been asked to head up um, the, uh, to look after this zone. I'm not doing any of the speaking, but I'm hosting these sessions on behalf of the Jubilee Plus team. Jubilee Plus was a national initiative set up by New Frontiers um, to engage with social action, social enterprise, and social justice issues. Many of you will be familiar with our work. We'll flag up a few more details about it um, at the end of today's session. I've got my colleague Andy Biggs and his wife Isla Um, supporting me as our team here to serve you. Uh, We have got actually a book in the bookshop, um, The Myth of the Undeserving Poor, which I co-wrote with another team member, Natalie Williams, a year or so ago, um, available for £7 in the bookshop if you're interested. Anyway, more about us later. Let's get on with what we're going to do um, today. We're going to have a great time. We've got till 12.30. A few practical things. We've got signing here. And just to say that if any children need parents urgently, there's a little board there, and if a lady comes and puts a name on the board, and if you're the parent, you know what to do at that point. And if you're not the parent, uh, you don't need to worry. Um, We're having three sessions. Today we're looking at social action in the local church. We're going to have a UK perspective to start with, and then, special treat, an African perspective from Zambia, Uh, in the second half of our session. You'll really enjoy that, and I will introduce that a little bit later on. We're going to have a presentation, then some Q&A, then we're going to look at an African context by way of contrast. Tomorrow, if you're hoping you'll be coming back tomorrow, we've got a very great privilege. We've got the Hope for Justice charity here. Gareth Russell, one of their presenters, is here to talk about human trafficking and modern slavery Uh, They've got a team here. They've got all their resources. I really encourage you to come back uh, tomorrow. And then uh, we've got um, a session on social enterprise, very important area, which one of the directors of our company, Jubilee Plus, Kate Welsh, um, who's from Durham and heads up some national initiatives in social enterprise, she's coming to speak then. She's an excellent speaker. Very strongly encourage you to come uh, on that session as well. So this morning, our participants will be, in a moment, Phil Hilsden, who's pastor at uh, King's in Darlington, known to many of you, who's going to give us our opening talk and just set the scene. And then I've invited Mark Whittington, who heads up social action uh, in Manchester for the Christ Central Church in Manchester, where Jeremy Simpkins is, to come and help us with a bit of Q&A. Phil and Mark will talk. Any questions you've got, let's have a little bit of interaction then. 
And then later on, I'll introduce Lillian Mawilla, who's going to bring a Zambian perspective. So we're going to have some fun. You looking forward to it? It's going to be good. You've got three very excellent perspectives. So um, without further ado, um, let me introduce Phil Hilston, who is a great friend. And uh, please give him a really warm welcome. Phil, come and share with us. Great. Thank you very much, Martin. Well, morning, everyone. Good to see you all this morning. Uh, it is great to be the first session on uh, Devoted. I thought I might be a little bit hoarse because we just sang our hearts out in worship. Did you enjoy that this morning? It was great, wasn't it? Really, really, really good. So I just want to start this morning uh, by saying this, really. I'm no expert in this subject. What I have is a few stories about what we do at King's Church, okay, and the way that God's enabled us to grow in the social action work that we do. <clears throat> so first of all, let me tell you a little bit about Darlington. It's quite a large market town. There's about 100,000 people in Darlington. It's a very uh, busy, a very forward-thinking, up-to-the-minute place to live. You could put the f- first slide on, please, Andy. That was taken last week. Um, <laughs> we're, we're really up-to-date with everything in Darlington. Don't believe everything you hear about the Northeast. It is a progressive place to live. Okay. Uh, Sally and myself have, uh, with a team of elders, have led the church in Darlington for seven years. And we've actually lived in Darlington for five of those years. And just like any other town, it has its posh places, its poor places, its troubled housing estates. Uh, the one area it does differ in to some towns is it has a a very large travelling community in Darlington. So uh, that can be interesting at times. Uh, We have a couple of major employers in Darlington. We have the Orange Phone Company, which is now called something else. What's it called now? It's all merged. That's the one, EE. And also Cummins, which is a huge diesel engine manufacturer, a great multinational company. Uh, But just like any other town, Darlington has suffered through the recession Uh, Within local government over the last few years, there's been £50 million slashed off our budget. Uh, So that causes some difficulties and some problems, but also creates opportunities. Uh, Because sometimes when local government fails to be able to do things, the church steps in. So we found that in some ways, although that's difficult for the local government, for local things they do, for us it's opened some opportunities. Could you put the second picture up, please? Okay. Uh, this is where I can't see the pictures from here, so I don't know what's up there. Is it right? Is, is it good? Uh, this is the King Centre. Uh, it's where Ch- King's Church hangs out. Uh, you may notice that it's not the prettiest building in the world. It's, uh, it's an old naffy building, uh, and it used to be before we bought it, it was belonged to a, f- a flooring company called Frank's Factory Flooring. And their very upmarket slogan was, I love carpets, me. <laughs> and uh, that's what used to come over on the television when they did the adverts. So, yeah, I love carpets, me is where we meet. Um, we've carried out lots of work uh, over the last seven years on the building. And I think we've almost beaten its 36,000 square feet into a full submission. Um, okay, so third picture, please. Okay, this is a cafe. We operate a cafe. Uh, it's been operating for almost five years. 
It's open five days a week. Uh, we see probably about 125 people a day. That's quite a lot of people every year. And almost half of the people that come through the cafe are non-Christians or unchurched people. We serve something like 3,000 to 3,500 meals a year in the cafe. Uh, we also take on vulnerable adults brought to us from the council to actually help in the kitchens. And we're able to teach up to NVQ level three, which is great in there. So that's good. So we built a great big kitchen so we can get a lot of people in there. Now just exactly how much the cafe helps people in their journey towards Jesus is not really, I don't think, quantifiable. But you just know that it's massively important. Every time you go in there, there's a buzz going on. There's always people around. There's always opportunities to talk. There's always people coming in who have problems, and you can talk with them and help them. And actually, if you are a pastor, can I suggest that Cafe is a wonderful place. It saves you hours and hours of visitation and seeing people who have problems because they're all in the cafe. And you can walk through, and in about five minutes, you can deal with about ten people because people just feel they've seen you and they feel you belong. So the cafe is wonderful. Liz, uh, a, a woman called Liz, runs our cafe. We have two people that we employ fully there, Liz and Nicola. And the cafe just about breaks even, just about. We sometimes subsidise it a bit every month. But we also make the best cappuccinos in Darlington. So if you're in that area, come in for one of our speciality cappuccinos. Wonderful. And they also only cost 150 There you go. See, half, less than half the price of most coffee shops. Anyway, that's the advertising finished with. So the cafe, we think that's hugely important as part of our social outreach and social action. And we wanted to keep the prices as low as we could so that we could have people who were struggling financially better come in and afford a meal, afford a coffee, etc. Okay, so next picture, please. Uh, this is our food store. Uh, it's been running for almost four years. Uh, we have probably seven or eight volunteers in there who are not connected with any church at all. And they help us with our packing. We also have Christians in there from our church and other churches as well. We give out approximately 9,000 bags of food a year. And we see about 10,000 people, uh, which means we probably feed well over 12 thousand people a year and actually out of that just to kind of round up the whole church aspect we've probably seen about 10 or 12 people come to know Jesus because of the food store their first introduction to God and to church has been through the food store we work with lots of other churches in Darlington with the food store and we have five food outlets across Darlington so we kind of store everything bag everything up with other churches coming in to help us do that. The bags then go out to other distribution points and we serve people there. Uh, we have Lisa who runs the food store. She does a great job and just keeps everything all computerised and we know who's coming in and how often they've been and etc, etc. So really, really good to have people uh, that you can trust doing jobs like that for you. Uh, we also have a guy called Andrew who's been with us a little while, and he's just finished an apprenticeship scheme working in the food store. So, you know, I just want to encourage you, there, there are lots of sort of opportunities. Sometimes we just see, oh, it's a food store, it's a food bank, whatever you want to call them. But there are opportunities to do, to do other things and to engage with other Christians, with other churches around your town or locality. So that, that's the food store. Okay, next picture. Uh, this is our furniture scheme. 
Uh, this has been running actually for almost nine years. Now we have approximately 11,000 people come through the food store, uh, sorry, through the furniture scheme every year. We sell about 4,500 items a year, and we have 10 to 12 volunteers every day helping to run that. Now, some of the volunteers are on community service, so they're not necessarily exactly volunteers. Okay? Um, But, you know, they do a terrific job, and a lot of those people will stay on after they finish their community service. We have guys that have been volunteering. They started off on community service, and they've been volunteering for three, four, five years. They just keep coming because they enjoy uh, what they do. And from that, we've probably seen about 18, 20 people, again, become Christians through coming into the food store. And uh, let me just say this. Some of these things that we do are great opportunities if you have fit, retired folks in your church who are active, looking for something to do. And they're just wonderful with people because they have time for people. We, We just appreciate so much how much retired couples and individuals can do uh, within that particular line of work. Okay, and then our next picture. Uh, This is our our new auditorium come sports hall. We built this big auditorium, but we said we don't want it to just be somewhere where people come and sit. We want to be able to use it all through the week for different activities, again, for community use. Uh, So it will actually seat about 700 people. Unfortunately, it doesn't need to seat 700 yet, but we are working on it. Um, And we use it for various sporting activities through the week. Uh, We have a football academy. We've had all our coaches are FA trained coaches. And we also are blessed to have Steve McLaren and his wife Catherine who are part of the church. And Steve McLaren comes and helps uh, with our football academy. And it's great when we have like an open day, he comes and presents little prizes and trains the kids for a couple of hours, which is wonderful. So they have a fantastic... Uh, time there and of course now he's the Newcastle United manager he's just up the road from us so that's really really good so that's a real blessing we run in there as well sports for disabled people we run Pilates badminton table tennis dance classes we've got a little dance studio with one walls all mirrored I try and avoid that because I I keep looking in the mirror and thinking I'm fat and I know I'm not um, so I try and there's something wrong with the mirrors you know um I said we shouldn't buy cheap mirrors, but nobody listens to me. Um, uh, So we do all those kind of things. And Mikey Coltman, one of the guys who works for the church, he runs that for us. hes I was going to say he's a young lad. He's actually about 27, I think, but he feels young to me. Um, He runs that and has taken it from nothing to what we have now, really, with the people we have in there. He's done a great job. So that's the kind of things we do. There are main things that we do for the community uh, in that sense of social action. Because what we do with the sports things, we try and make actually everything accessible and everything affordable. Because actually we do feel that we want a a holistic approach uh, to seeing the kingdom of God grow. Uh, We're also, just to give you a little list of stuff we're also about to do, we're about to launch an American-style diner for evening dining. So that's good. That's all, of course, top healthy food, uh, which I am going to have to sample to make sure it's all edible. Um, We run a a one-pot cooking class uh, for people that are struggling to cook for themselves. Uh, We actually do uh, some work that goes abroad. We've been doing clothes 
sending clothes to Malawi for the last 15 years, I think. We also run a club called Care and Share for those suffering with mental health issues. We run a cameo club uh, for mostly elderly people and those with learning difficulties. And all kinds of other stuff we do. And there are things that start up quite frequently. I'm not sure I know exactly what's going on most of the time. But it's all good. Thankfully, Harold is with me this morning. Keeps tabs on absolutely everything that's going on. So if I don't know, then I blame Harold. Um, You always need someone to blame, you know, because it's good. Um, And on top of all that, we have our normal church activities going on as well. So there's lots... Lots and lots of things going on. So I suppose the question is, you know, why, why do we get involved with social action? Why, why did we get involved with social action? Well, firstly, because we believe it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And the New Testament speaks a lot about looking after people, helping people who are not as well off as it talks a lot about actually you need to look after those people that are struggling. Secondly, We want to see the kingdom of God grow in Darlington, in its surrounding areas. And we feel part of that is social action. It's not just a spiritual thing we do, it's a physical thing we do as well. And we have a a pretty simple and a pretty short, a very short kind of strap line for King's Church. And it's this, King's Church, we believe, is for transforming lives and changing communities. So it's just those four words we use, transforming lives and changing communities. Because actually, you can't change communities unless you transform lives. And you can't transform lives unless you meet people who need their lives transforming. And people need lots of help in loads of areas. It's something that we believe God has called us into, into social action. We believe in a holistic approach to spreading the good news about Jesus. And we believe for us it's the right approach. For us, the social action is one of the main things we do. It's not like a bolt on extra. So how did it all start? Well, it it came from a desire for us to make a difference in people's lives. It came from a desire to see people help physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And that's something, as a church, we all believe and have a desire to see happen. It's, It's part of the framework of King's Church. And you know, things really begin to happen when you find a champion. What do I mean by that? You know, every work we do, every work you do, needs someone who's going to champion the work through. Uh, we try and avoid, like, let's form a committee to do something, unless we've got a champion who's heading up that, of course. In fact, we refuse to start things unless we have a champion. We just won't start them. Because we, we tried before in the past and they just tend to fizzle out or they become hard work or somebody ends up running something that they really don't want to do. And, and that doesn't really bless anybody. In fact, we've got a lady now who's just retiring from doing one of our social action projects and we've not been able to find anyone to champion it. And we said, you know what, we'll just stop it. We will stop it rather than try and do it without a champion. You need a champion to push stuff through. So uh, it's hugely, hugely important. And you know, uh, a champion is someone who's prepared to come, overcome all the obstacles that arise in in what you do and what we do. Uh, They rise above disappointments. uh, They'll fight their corner. They'll be a bit of a nuisance to leaders. Um, You have to be prepared for that. And they'll see things through. 
but also they need to be an intrinsic part of the church because actually you need to work with everyone else. It all needs to flow together. Otherwise you have a lone ranger somewhere going off and doing stuff and you don't know what they're doing and things go on. So I think, uh, yeah, you need champions in whatever you do. And the people running, the people in charge, the champions are actually some of the most important people you will find in the works. They're the ones who will energise, recruit and enthuse volunteers. They're the ones who will spread the vision. They're the ones who will look for outside funding for some of the things you do. They're the ones who will care enough to make sure everything is done properly. They're, if you like, the fuel for the engine. They keep going and they keep going because they have a real heart. God has given those people a real burden and a real heart for what they're running. So how does it all fit alongside church life? Uh, Well, I think I said earlier, it doesn't really fit alongside church life. It's a major part of church life. I think if you try and bolt social action onto the side, if you think, here's a good idea. Anybody had good ideas before that haven't quite come off? I'd just like to raise my hand there. I've had a lot of those over the years where you think, you know, wouldn't it be good to do something? And it seems like a good thing to do. It seems like a good idea. But, you know, all these things need to grow out of a desire that that says, actually, as a church, uh, we believe this is what we need to do. We have a heart for people, and we want to really see people helped in so many different ways. As a church, you know, we do believe, and I'm sure we all believe this, that the best thing that can ever happen to a person is that they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. We, we believe that. We do lots of social action. We believe that's the best thing that can ever happen to someone. And we believe, you know, that they need to be discipled and join a local church and grow and grow in God. But the journey, people's journey, is so varied. Have you noticed that? How people come in in very, very, very different ways. And sometimes it will be through social action, the opportunity arises to witness, sometimes a question is asked. And sometimes social action will lead to good relationships and friendships with other people. And friendships can lead to all kinds of stuff. Now, what we really, really try and avoid is using social action as a means to an end. People know if you're doing something because you want to get them somewhere, don't they? Do they twig onto that real quick? Hey, so we give people food because we want to see people fed primarily, because we don't want to see people hungry. Anything else, else that happens out of that, if you like, is, is a bonus, if you want to put it that way. It's what God does with people. But we're primarily saying, you know, it's not right that you don't have enough food. It's not right that your children aren't going to eat properly. It's not right that actually you don't have enough furniture to, to furnish your house. It's not right that you don't have a bed to sleep on. It's not, these things aren't right. They're not kingdom, actually. And so we do it because we want to help people. That's our main, main thing. We want to help people. And you know, when we have baptisms occasionally, we had about four or five people baptized who'd come through some of our social action stuff. And the main thing they said is we felt loved and accepted. We weren't preached at, we felt loved and we felt accepted. And we felt like we were sort of at home, really. It was a place we could belong. 
And uh, people's journey takes them on many different paths to come to know Jesus. Let me just say this as well about social action, because it all sounds quite nice at the moment, doesn't it? Um, I've painted a really beautiful picture of what we do at King's Church, and you might think, man, what a great church. Well, if you think that, just don't come. Stay where you are and just, you know, live the illusion. Um, everything, everything we do in social action uh, costs money. It costs money. And that's one of the reasons why it has to be at the heart of the church, because you're asking people, you know, say, actually, we need to do this for people, and it needs to touch people's pockets. You know, everything you do costs, and it costs us something. But the great thing is, in the church, we've built up, uh, if you like, a real sense of it's good to give. We, just a few years ago, well, actually, we just finished last year, really, we were doing some major building projects and building the, the sports hall and everything like that. And uh, in 2010, I was across in South Africa doing some work on a, an, an orphanage. We were building an extension. I, I was, for 30 years, I was in the building industry. And so we, we were across there with a team of people, gone out with a charity, and we're building uh, this extension onto a children's home. And uh, I was travelling in this rickety old bus, and I just felt God speak about 7 o'clock one morning. And I just felt God say, you're planning on spending all this money at King's, aren't you, Phil? Yeah, is that you, God? <laughs> I didn't know you got up this early. Um, and I said, yeah, we are. And God said, well... How can you spend all that money on yourselves when your brothers and sisters are struggling in these other countries? So that's quite a challenge, you know. You, you go, wow. And so out of that, we decided that half of everything that came in for our building fund, we'd give away. So 50% of everything that came into our general building fund, we gave outwards. And that actually got us quite a lot of finance in a pot somewhere and we thought man you know that's fantastic uh so that we could actually start things giving things away out there and and it begins to cause something to happen in your church which says we love to give we want to give and you know it's such a blessing to give isn't it so we've kind of got that ingrained in us now that actually uh, it's good it's good to give now let me just say this as well because that sounds wonderful doesn't it that all sounds really good you're all going isn't that great well, we'd, we'd given away about uh, over a quarter of a million pounds. We're going to 260,000 pounds we'd given away. And we got to the end of our, near the end of our building project. And uh, we were just looking and going, hmm, we haven't got any money to finish this. And we needed about 200,000 pounds to finish our building project. And we ain't got it. In fact, we're giving it away. See, God we'll always test you and say, you still okay with it? See, we, we like it when it all comes together, don't we? We like it when it all adds up. We say, yeah, no, it just, 200,000 just fell out of heaven and we gathered it up off the floor and it was fantastic. Uh, but actually, 200,000 did fall out of somebody's pocket, but we've we got to give it them back. You know, but they just came to me one day and said, how's it going with the building, Phil? I said, well, you know, okay. Uh, how are you off for finance? Well, a little bit dodgy at the moment, to be honest. And the guy said, do you want to borrow £200,000 to finish off? I said, no. I said, yes. Because said, yes, yes. Um, that would be fantastic. And, um, but, you know, see, it, it still costs, okay? Because every year now we have a gift day 
because we need to raise money to pay off that. So let me tell you this, it does cost. It costs, you know, it will cost you if you do this. But the rewards are wonderful. The rewards are seeing, doing what you feel God is calling you to do. Helping people, seeing people, seeing people's eyes light up. You know, occasionally in the food store, some of the, uh, some of the supermarkets will give us flowers where the packaging has been ripped or something. They can't sell them. And uh, give somebody some flowers. Oh, here's, some, here's your bag of food. By the way, here's some flowers. Nobody's ever given me flowers before. Uh, and, you know, those kind of things, you go, man, you, you, you can't put a price on that when you're touching people's lives. Anyway, I'm getting emotional, so I better crack on. Finally, <clears throat> social action, I believe, helps to keep the church outward focused. You know, so easily, given half a chance, uh, a lot of churches um, will turn inwards and it will all be about how do I grow spiritually? Am I being fed? You've heard all these things. You might have said them, I've said them at times. I'm not being fed, the sermons aren't deep enough, blah 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 Hear it all the time. Now, all those things are important. But we must put practical things alongside spiritual things. Otherwise, we're no better than the Pharisees. You know, we're just information, information, oh yeah, you know, God's wonderful, you're hungry? Oh, I'm sorry about that. You know, God's calling us to do much more and be much more uh, than probably we are now, I feel he's calling us to do more at King's. And, you know, otherwise, our Christianity, unless we're turning outwards and looking outwards, our Christianity becomes totally imbalanced totally imbalanced and at some point doesn't matter how well it's growing in an imbalance at some point it will fall over it, it will just crash because you, there's got to be a balance in what we do there's got to be a balance between how we help people and how we learn about God how we you know do theology and all that kind of stuff and it is all important please don't hear me say it's not everything's important but you've got to have a balance we've got to be out of focus and you know, the Christian's mandate uh, is to go, isn't it? Just go and do stuff. You know, Jesus said, go. You know, so often we want to sit and Shh, feed me, feed me, feed me. And Jesus said, no, you've got to go. You've got to go. And one of the things he says, you've got to go and make disciples, which is good. And I love this, the way he tells his disciples, after they've not been with him that long, he says to them, you know, what I want you to do is go out now, guys, in twos, and heal the sick and raise the dead. <laughs> it's an easy one, isn't it? Done a bit of that recently, anybody? Raising the dead. And, and then actually if you read Matthew 25 verses 34 to 36, it would seem that our actions as well as our faith come under scrutiny when we meet Jesus. Uh, final time we meet him, after the second coming, we meet Jesus. Our actions come under scrutiny. He talks about whatever you gave to one of these, you gave for me. Whatever you did to that person you did to me. What you didn't do to that person you didn't do to me. Have a read of it, Matthew 25. That's quite sobering. So, social action through the local church, I think it's what we were made for. So, there I will finish. Thank you. Thanks so much, Phil. Well, that's an interesting snapshot. Very inspiring. If you haven't been to Darlington, it's worth going. 
when I get off the train at Darlington and I say where I'm going, all the taxi drivers know the church. And that's a good sign of how significant the church is in any community, by the way. Now, some of you don't have such big buildings and resources and churches as kings. And you may be wondering, well, how does this apply in a smaller context or a growing context? So let me just introduce um, uh, Mark Whittington from Christ Central Manchester. Just ask a couple of questions of Mark, just to kick this off. Could you just come up, Mark? Can we welcome Mark? Um, so I'm going to we'll do a bit of Q and A in a minute. But just to give you another example, so Mark, your church, you don't actually have a church meeting building, do you? So tell us about you, your building uh, resources. Okay, so uh, for our Sunday meetings, we meet at the Comedy Store in the uh, city centre. Uh, so we hire that out just for the Sunday morning. Um, and then we have a building um, that is in Salford, which is just on the Salford and Manchester cities that are right next to each other. And uh, that's a, a, a building that is an ex-council building. Um, that we rent from the council at the, uh, the amazing price of a pound a year, uh, which is which is How great. About that, Phil? Pound a year? Would you like to go back to that those days? <laughs> a pound a year, which yeah. So and, and from there we run our food bank and we have our church offices there and also our CAP centre. Although with CAP we actually go out to people's homes, but we run our CAP from there as okay, well. Okay, so with limited, and I've been to your building and seen you in operation as well. Um, with limited resources in terms of buildings, you've been set aside by the church, haven't you? Because uh, you're not primarily sort of leading the church, are you? That's not your primary role. Your primary role I is I am on the ship team, but I'm, le- I'm, yeah, I'm... So you're heading up all the social... I'm heading up social action team, team. yeah, yeah. Okay, so you mentioned two things. You run food bank and CAP, yeah. money advice. Is there anything else that you run as a church? Um, we have run in the past Cap Money, which is a, a budgeting course, obviously uh, written by Christians Against Poverty as well. Um, we have just literally last week put in a big funding application to run a number of other um, activities in the community. So that includes um, rolling out the budgeting courses on a bit more of a formal basis, um, okay. cookery courses, um, a running club. Um, what else? Uh, one or two other things as well. So. Okay, so uh, your church would be maybe slightly smaller than the uh, yes, yeah. Um but some people here will be in smaller churches than yours. Yeah. Okay, so if we just imagine churches your size and smaller, what would you say to them about prioritizing social action? Would you say do it later on when you've got lots of things established, or would you say start at the beginning? Start, I think, yeah, I, having talked to a number of people involved in social action and church leaders, as Phil said, it's, it's really hard to bolt on social action. Right. It needs to be, in my opinion, right from the very start of any church plant. It's not, let's get to a size and then do it. I think it needs to be who you are and what you're doing, and impacting e- your community. Even if that was really, really small project? Yes. You don't think that, that matters? You're no, just no, putting no. something in get, the DNA I think the get church. involved from the, from the very start. And it, even, perhaps not even necessarily thinking about we've got to start a project, get involved in your community. Okay, right. Okay, now another interesting thing is Phil leads his team, you're on the eldership team, and I know that your elders are very supportive, aren't they? So what's the function of pastoral leaders? Is it is it because Phil was talking about things coming out of your heart, really, weren't you, Phil? Do you feel it's the coming out of the heart of leaders which sort of opens the door for the church? 
yeah. to get involved? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's that, that whole kind of championing thing. It's got to come from the heart. It's got to be something that God has put in you. Um, compassion for people in a certain area, in a certain locality, um, helping people in a certain way. It's got to come. It's got to come out of that, definitely. Great. And have you, like Phil, seen people come to Christ? Yeah, through yeah. food bank and things like that. Um, not through food bank yet. We've seen people come to church. We've had the opportunity to pray for people, um, which is, which is which is great. Through CAP, we're seeing um, I, uh, over the six years we've been doing it. I don't know how many, maybe fifteen people um, through through that as well. And it's been great. Just thinking coming coming to devoted. Our site coordinator uh, became a Christian through CAP. A guy that is uh, helping on the um, stewarding, um, became a Christian through CAP. We've got uh, a, a single lady who um, is with us that became a Christian through CAP. She's brought her niece um, this week. So it's, it's, it's great to see yeah, So real salvation as yeah. well. That's fantastic. Well, I, I just, that's just a little snapshot, folks. So thank you, Mark. What I'm going to do now is take that microphone and give it to Andy. Um, because I thought if uh, Phil could come up again, what we could do with Mark and Phil just up here is maybe just a few questions. We'll, we'll move into the African situation in a moment, um, but just a few questions to which either of them may be answered, because a seminar is only a seminar if you can chew things over a bit. And uh, so what I'm going to invite you to do now is think of a question, raise your hand, but please, a question, not a big statement. Just a question, because time is very short, and I want to, and, and that question will have lots behind it, which we'll unpack. But something you'd like to ask them, bearing in mind you've had two different stories, two different churches, both very engaged. Anyone like to ask a question? If you'd like to raise your hand, we'll come to you with the microphone. And if you haven't got any questions, then uh, I will be astonished. Okay, could you just say your name and the question? My name is Pete. Um, my question is, how do you kind of um, engender a culture that develops volunteers as part of the, uh, the ethos? Okay, developing volunteers, who'd like to go with that? Uh, I'll go. Okay. Uh, yeah. Do you know that's a really good question? Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think it's opportunities for people and, and, and just... I think as a, as a team, as an eldership team, somewhere you've got to model something of what you're expecting people to be uh, and what you're hoping people to be. And also getting people to catch the heart of what you're doing. I think if people catch the heart of really wanting to, really wanting to help people, really having a desire to help people, then they do volunteer. I mean, we, we're not a big, big church. I mean, there's probably... Anywhere between two and three hundred on a Sunday morning varies quite quite a lot. But there's, um, you know, we, we can have over a hundred volunteers. We do a volunteers evening. Thank you. We have over a hundred volunteers, and it's just amazing. And, and to be honest, if I'm really honest, I'm not sure where they all come from. Sometimes I think, man, how did that happen? So I don't know if. Okay, well, let's see if Mark has uh, <laughs> further to. Yeah, it is a bit of a mystery, actually. I think everybody would. <laughs> Yeah. agree that the, the value added of God's Holy Spirit sometimes is indefinable. Yeah. But Mark, just tell us anything from your experience on volunteers. I think it's just sharing your vision mm. and doing that constantly um, and having a, an eldership team that is very supportive of what you, 
what you're doing is, is really key to that as well. Um, but also uh, Keith Gaiman, who leads uh, Christ Central Manchester, um, he's involved in volunteering in food bank just once a month. But he's able then to share stories and share his, you know, he's, he sees people firsthand. So I think that's, that's really important. Um, I think it's really valuing volunteers and appreciating and just little things, you know, small things. Like um, last month, we it was National Volunteering Week, or maybe the month before, and we just I went to the pound shop and got a nice. I forget it was it was Ferrero Rocher, or a nice little box of chocolates, not not the cheap, not just the, the rubbish one pound chocolates, but decent little box of chocolates, and we gave them to all our volunteers. And people were so appreciative of this little gift that we'd given that was, was tiny, really. But I think it's really appreciating what they do, um, which can help as well. That's a very good question. Let's turn to um, another question. Someone else with a question? Raise your hand and Andy will come to you. Um, I, there's a lady over there to my right. Just to give us your name, please. Thank you. Yeah, you were saying before, um, Phil, um, that you got set up in the cafe, the apprenticeships. Um, how did that actually get started? How did you go about finding the funding and to raise those opportunities? What was that? I missed it. Um, apprenticeships. How did oh, apprenticeships. Sorry, yeah, I didn't quite hear that. Uh, well, it came through, really, again, it, it came through Lisa, who champions uh, our food store, really. She was, look, we, we, we needed someone else uh, to help us. And because we actually run, I, I didn't tell you this, but we actually run the Darlington Council Food Bank as well. And because we're kind of involved with them, they, they kind of send us all kind of different opportunities coming around for training, etc. And this opportunity came around for an apprentice, and we needed another person. And, and this person was really looking for an opportunity to get involved and, and to learn. So that's how that came up, really, just... Almost the more you get involved with things and people and the council and whatever, the more opportunities seem to come your way. And, and you go, oh, well, well, we'll try that, you know. So that was really how that came up. Is that okay? Yeah. That's okay. really useful. Uh, and one more question. Time for at least one more. This gentleman here in the middle. By the way, well, just before you um, answer that question, I've been handed a note to say there's an excellent book called The Volunteer Handbook. Uh, which gives lots and lots of insights into... I haven't read it, but thank you to the lady who gave me that into volunteering. Yes, your question. Yeah, Tim Lana. Um, yes, Tim. You both mentioned uh, actually getting money from outside the church, making grant applications and this sort of thing. And I just wondered if you, if you could just briefly kind of summarise the benefits and the pitfalls of actually getting money in from the outside in terms of the sort of level of control it gives you yeah. and the ethos that's of a, the project. That's a big question. We'll have brief answers now, but if people want to follow these up afterwards, I'm going to ask Phil and Mark yeah. to hang around because some of these questions will have many facets that need more developing. Mark, you kick us off on this. Yeah, that's, it is a huge question. I think um, you've got to be really wise in what you're applying for. You've got to make sure that it, you're applying... Um, for funding that doesn't restrict your activities, um, certainly that doesn't restrict our activities in terms of, you know, being able to pray for people, for example, which we do, uh, um, and we, we're open with the agencies that we work with through CAP and Food Bank. So you don't want restrictions on your funding. I think also that there seems to be 
particularly I find among churches is this attitude that anyone can apply for funding, anyone can write a funding application. And I've written quite a few funding applications, um, and I've learned a little bit through it. But more recently, we've we've actually got some funding to fund a funding expert to help us. Uh, he helped us write the first application to fund him. Um, but working working with this with, with this guy who has huge experience. He's not a Christian. But huge experience, huge knowledge of of how to apply for funding and, and who to apply for. It, it's I, I will never go back to writing my own application um, because the insight and, and the changes and, and what we've done for the application that I said we put in last week. I, I wrote an application and he's come in and, and added to it and changed it and and it he hasn't changed what we're asking for. But the way he's done it is ten times better than I could ever do. So I, I would, I would urge you, I would urge people to. You, you might not all be able to do that, but I would just say, get expert advice where you can. Phil, would you like to add anything to that? Uh, not really, because I think it's absolutely true that you, you you've got to write the applications correctly, uh, and uh, it's amazing. Actually, I just encourage you. It's amazing the amount of money that's around if you know how to apply for it and where to go for it. We've just bought or ordered a brand new furniture van, which is £30,000. And we've we've just applied to loads of different small places coming in £1,000, £2,000, £5,000. And we've got more money. Now we're we're going, man, we keep getting this money in. We keep saying them, you know, we've got the van, you know. It's like, (laughs) please don't send any more money for the van. Uh, But most of them will go, well, actually, you know, you can use it to run the van as well. So there's quite a lot out there actually for, for different things, you know. So, but it is worth, you've got to know how to write your applications, absolutely right. Yeah. Very, very helpful. And there will be more follow on you may want to do with that. Now, because of time, um, I'm going to move on, I'm afraid. Um, there's more things. So thank you. Can we say thank, thank you. you to Phil and to thank Mark? You. So by the nature of a seminar, it stirs up ideas, so please do speak to them afterwards. You can come and talk to me and members of the Jubilee Plus team. We're here to help you as well. And just a quick advert, the card you've got on, the, on your thing is our national conference. This year it's with New Grand Churches, with Dave Holden, who's co-hosting with me. If you're able to come, lots of resources there, lots of seminars, lots that will help you on the journey. Now, in the last section, till half past now, I want to... Uh, just introduce another dimension. Now, Christ Central is an international team and movement. And the international aspect is primarily Scandinavia, Canada, and Africa, particularly Zambia. And the African dimension, which is developing, you hear about it in different ways, um, is a very exciting dimension, but it introduces a completely different dimension to our understanding of poverty, development and the world situation as Phil indicated in his comment about visiting South Africa. I've had the privilege of working in Africa and visiting many parts of the continent and we'll have the privilege next year of visiting uh, Joseph and Lillian Mawilla who head up the apostolic team uh, in Kitwe, northern Zambia. So it's a great privilege that they're here at the conference today and this this whole conference. 
And uh, Lillian's here now, and in a moment I'd like you to welcome her. She's going to tell you about what their church is doing in their context and give you an opportunity to engage with that. Um, So it's a real privilege to make this an international discussion of social action through the local church. Here's a completely different context. Lillian, we're very glad you're here. Let's give her a really warm welcome. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Is that Um, good morning, everyone. Okay, my name is Lillian Muila, uh, M-W-I-L-A. I'm uh, married to Joseph. Um, uh, Joseph is the apostolic leader in uh, for New Frontiers, Zambia, and uh, neighboring countries, Tanzania, Malawi, yeah, um, places like that. Um, we we we, uh, we have uh, four children. Just to talk a little bit about myself, and um, three three boys and one girl, and um, I've had to leave my baby, but um, we have to come here. Sorry, some of you might think I'm shivering because I'm afraid. Uh, no, it's just because it's cold. <laughs> because Zambia is a, is a hot uh, nation. Some of you don't know where Zambia is. Um, but I'm, I'm sure most of you would know where South Africa is. So Zambia is um, uh, the South Africa, then there's Zimbabwe on top, and then there's Zambia up there. We are a landlocked country, uh, but um, maybe some of you would remember David Livingstone, uh, where he, he, he came and found um, uh, the Victoria Falls. That's where we are. That's Zambia. Uh, so before I go on, talking let's just watch a small video which we had uh, put up just to give a context in um, where Zambia is and what we're doing in 2003 I was walking on a Tuesday morning in town going for a prayer meeting and I met two street children. At the first sight, I thought they had died. But then uh, when I approached them further, I found that they were they were awake, but they were very weak and hungry. And that's how I took them to the house of one of my friends where we were having a prayer meeting. And um, after the prayer meeting, I gave them some bread and some juice. And that was the birth of Street Life Project. These children, most of them, their parents had died as a result of um, HIV and AIDS. The children are being looked after either by themselves or by some grandparents who are weak and some of them don't have means to look after them. We started working with such families. Uh, We were able to bring them to this center, Grace Center, and God has been good. So at Street Life Project, um, our motto for the children is rebuilding confidence. At Faith Center in Luangwa, we have one feeding which happens every Wednesday where we feed about 150 children. And in another township called Kapoto, it's another poor area, 
We also do a feeding program where about 150 other children also come. So I feel that is the background for this project. In Kapoto, we have a shelter, but it is not something that is good enough to do the, the feeding. So we do need help to, to build up something, a facility for the feeding of the children. And then the feeding for the children at the moment is not funded, so we just find ways of just trying to make sure that at least we do a feeding every week. I want to thank God for all of you sponsors out there that have been partnering with Sweet Life Project here at Dayspring in Kitwe, Zambia. And it's my prayer and faith that um, one of these days we could be able to see our children from grade one right up to college um, uh, time so that that way somebody can really be able to be put back into the community and they can work for themselves be, and also be able, by the grace of God, be able to also give something back into the project. The other way you can help is um, some of you may, may say, I don't have money to give out, but you have a skill. I wish some people could take out leave and just be with the children to help with their reading skills and some of them just with uh, crafts making and indeed even just coming out to share Jesus Christ with them as well as we helping them, that would also be very good. But most of all, we need your prayers because without the grace of God, this job that we are doing is very, very difficult. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, that's the video. Uh, at least it gives you a picture of uh, the, some of the places where we're working at. Um, when we planted Dayspring Church, we decided that uh, one of our visions was to do social impact work as well. So um, the, the social work into the community began right at the beginning of uh, our church planting. And that's why I agree with the earlier speaker that uh, social action really would need to be started at right from the beginning. Yeah, and um, like in in the appeal for, for help, uh, like the other speakers said, it's, it's, uh, it's important for some of the retired couples, like they said. Some people think that they're finished, but you still have strength. You still have energy. You can still come out and be able to help. Yeah, and um, I just want to also just emphasize on um, the the huge help that we need, uh, especially in the educational sponsorship. Zambia is a, is a poor nation, and although politically they have said that um, um, education is free from grade one to grade seven, that's primary level, um, a family still needs to um, get uh, school requirements like school uniform, shoes, books, bags, and of course even um, uh, something to eat, lunch. Uh, so we we would we really are appealing to 
some of you who could come on board and um, sponsor a child back into school. Uh, as a nation, we have been hit a lot by uh, HIV and AIDS epidemic, but also because of poverty. And so there are loads of orphaned and vulnerable children there who are out of school, but uh, with your help, they could be able to get back into school and uh, be able to have um, a, a better future. Some of the benefits we have seen as a church in doing uh, this social action is that uh, some of the boys who, whom we got right at the beginning are now heavily involved in church. And they love God and uh, they're leading worship and um, they're doing a um, peer system and, and stuff like that. So it's been a great way of also evangelizing and uh, uh, making those children just know God in a, in a practical way. And um, it, it was good for people to ask about volunteers. Uh, it, it's also great for me to, I think, pick up that book and read on how to make more people volunteer to come on board. Yeah, one of the other things that um, we really need is uh, transport. We, we would... Um, we are praying for a bus so we could be able to transport children from our various centers into school because um, some of our children are having to walk about uh, a, a, an hour or so to get into school and back. Um, of course, uh, we're running two homes. Uh, one is called Grace Center. The other one is called uh, Faith Center with 50 children who are orphaned and vulnerable, who are, whom we're looking after 24 hours, seven. And, um, of course, with that, they, their needs like food and running costs for those two centers. And then um, we, we are also running, a, a, as I've mentioned, the educational sponsorship program. And we are also doing a feeding program in two places um, where there's a lot of poverty, where we are feeding about uh, uh, 300 children per week and giving them a meal. These children are just malnourished children and they just come from, from just those uh, sort of compounds. But our appeal also to, to you today is just for your prayers, like I've said in the video, that we really need you to pray for us and to just stand with us with God, that the Lord will help us. The poverty levels are huge, they, and sometimes you don't know whether you are you 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 would you, what whether what you're doing um, is good enough. But we pray and believe that uh, with faith, um, God is able to do for us more than we can really um, ask or think. Uh, the the project because now. Um, Joseph, my husband, is looking after the the, the churches which are under New Frontiers um, family of churches in Zambia has has also uh, gone to uh, help some of the children in the rural areas as well, uh, like uh, a place very near uh, Victoria Falls in the southern province. We're trying to um, support some of the children back into school there as well. So um, for now, thanks. Maybe I could take some questions or Martin will guide us.
I think that's okay. Okay. We've got a few moments where it might be good just to ask Lillian a few more questions. Is Joseph here? Has he come as he joined us? Joseph, would you like to come and join us as well? Just let's show our appreciation to Joseph. Um, just so you know who he is. On this occasion, he's just the other half, you know. Um, so I'm hoping she'll be answering the questions. But I'm, what, we, what we're really trying to help is that we're building relationships. And uh, we're building relationships with the Zambian network. Um, how many churches? Just one quick question to Joseph. <laughs> how many churches are in your, in the, your apostolic network? Thanks, Martin. We have, at the moment, 35 churches we're working 35. with within Zambia. And about, I think about 15 who are looking in to okay. become part of New Frontier. So, what, in other words, Lillian, what you said about your church and, and others could apply to every single one of those 35 situations. Is that true? Exactly, yes. So, could you just yeah. a, a, explain that a little bit more? So, you're describing your situation in Kitwe and one or two other places, but as soon as my mind is going to 35 locations... Are some of those very rural, and do they have same poverty levels as you do? Any comments on that? Yes, um, we're best in Kitwe, and we're like modeling what we're doing right. at Street Life Project, and we have expanded into some of these other churches, which are even in the most rural areas, like in Southern Province, where um, we, we have those churches which are New Frontiers, but the, the first place where we have um, started doing something is on the educational sponsorship, where okay. we have some of the children of uh, in those churches being put on board and being sponsored in, back into school. So if, um, if people here are interested in that educational sponsorship, they, they would initially come to you, but you might direct them to some of those other places. Uh, rather than your own, not just your own city, is that right? Exactly, yes. Uh, so Ooh. that you can reproduce and replicate what you're doing. So you yes, would guide exactly. the process, but people could come to you yes. if they were moved by that particular Inici thing. Initially, they are coming uh, through through um, us at Kitwe, at Kitwe, and then um, what we have done is uh, we have put them like on waiting list, those in other churches, and so if somebody here is interested in them, then we, we could give them those. Great, that's really helpful. Just to, just to uh, add on that, just as a practical example, uh, in the last couple of years we've been working from a church planting point of view yes. with a wonderful guy called uh, Max, who is two hours away from, drive from Livingston, uh, which is a very poor area, not Livingston, but uh, he's in the village. Now, Max, uh, when I when we went there to just preach and encourage the local church, uh, he he quietly whispered to me that the, he's actually keeping about 15 children. I said, well, you only have two of your own. Who are these others? So he had picked up about 12 uh, orphans. Uh, he just couldn't look away. So I left that place uh, really burdened that we should do something. This is 12 hours away from where... We are in Kitwe, uh, going down south. And so I shared this with Lily, and Lily was quite moved by that. And so Max is on our school of leadership. So he, when Max came for our school of leadership, he had a chat with Lillian. And Lillian uh, managed to connect two of the orphans 
that are actually not just in some institution, they are in Mark's own home uh, to try and get them back to school. And so, two, uh, and I think we're connecting them to one of the churches here. Yeah, so those are sort of piloting. We're hoping as we plant the church, and Mark already clearly has a burden for uh, orphans and the vulnerable, responding to the real needs of the, okay. of the community. Let me, let me just ask another question to Lillian. Um, We've got a short time, but I want to use it. Now, you alluded to a very interesting point about HIV and AIDS. Now, in the West, through technology um, and medical science and financial resources, we've managed to bring AIDS under control, inverted commas, in the sense of the spread. So it doesn't, to the West, appear such a major threat to us. But we hear about the African situation, and sometimes we're not entirely clear. Um, and yet, what you're saying is, and it's something I've experienced in Africa, I'd like you just to talk about it a bit, is that many people literally lost one or both of their parents as a result of epidemic proportions. Could you give just a little bit more information on that? Because it helps us to understand the issue of being orphans in a Zambian context, which is a relatively rare experience in the West. It's very important and it happens. But you're basically saying it's a very common experience and of course it's a biblical category of priority from the Old Testament onwards that the orphans and of course the widows who is another category in HIV. So I'd love you just to talk a little bit more about that, Lillian, just to give a little bit more context to an important thing you said. Um, HIV and AIDS uh, um, was a very big issue um, some years ago, uh, I know that as the government and with the help of the United Nations and WHO, they are working hard into trying to um, bring down the, the spread of uh, HIV and AIDS. But of course, when it hit our nation, we lost a lot of people, especially in the category of those who are like the working, the working class. And because we lost that uh, group, a lot of children were left with um, the, the, the aged, the grandparents, and um, th those people who are like already weak and they can't look after these children. As a result, in our nation, Zambia, we saw a lot of children running onto the streets and becoming what we call street kids. Um, but there's also like a very clear uh, indication that, po that because of the poverty levels, a lot of people who were HIV uh, positive died early because of uh, poor nutrition. So, um, and when people have died, they, they really can't be replaced. I know that um, the, the spread of HIV and AIDS has been uh, slowly been worked on and it's, and it's becoming lower now, but People have died and those situations are, are there. That's very, very helpful. Thank you. Uh, well, we are drawing to a close. We've just got time perhaps for one question. Um, sorry to be so specific, but we have, I'm be, I've told under the higher authorities here, if I don't end at 12.30 on the dot, I'm in trouble. Okay, because of parents getting children. So I'm going to obey the authorities. Um, but if there's anyone who'd like to just ask a question um, about the Zambian situation, I've tried to draw out one or two of the threads already. Anyone, any burning question? Could we just take it there, Andy? Yes, I'd just like to ask about, um, you know, the 
do you have medical supplies to help the people with, you know, AIDS? And also things like um, proper water. Um, do you have clean water? Or, you know, how do you deal with that? Okay. Um, of course, politically, the, 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 politic, the political, the government says to us that uh, when you go into the hospital, you'll be attended to free of charge. But um, at the moment, we don't have a lot of medical supplies in our hospitals. And um, a lot of times when somebody is ill, they have to have money to, to buy medicines in order for them to, to survive. Uh, on the HIV and AIDS, we do have uh, what is called ARVs, which uh, we thank God for the Obama government. They've been able to provide to the nation on um, somebody can just go to the hospital and get them, but sometimes they are not... Um, the, the, the problem there is that when somebody's on ARVs, they need to also be able to afford a very good nutrition. So sometimes that's where the, 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 the whole thing seems to be falling off because someone can take medication, but when you take it on an empty stomach, it's, not, it's of no use. Yeah, and um, it's interesting that you've talked about water because we thank God that uh, with um, the help of one of our churches in, in the north, uh, is it West Hutton? West Hutton, West Houghton. Uh, yeah, of course, Mim is there. And uh, <laughs> she's been able to help us um, raise money to um, uh, buy the equipment which we've been able to purify our water for one of our centers and she's running again to raise some more money for that. So, um, I think that's a very key point, sorry to, to, to say, but those are biofilters. It's the easiest way of purifying very dirty water to something like 99% purity. Uh, and it just, it's a sand filter where you filter through the water, but in any case, it still has to be manufactured. And that's a project we've been doing, just installed three in, in our centers. And we hope to spiral that, as we say, across the board with a bit of support. That's a very good. Thanks, job. Mim, again, publicly. Yeah, that's very good. Okay, well, um, our appreciation to Joseph and Lillian, thank you so much. I hope you'll be able to stay around and people talk to you afterwards. And this leaflet is available both here and on the desk over there. So if you'd like to take a seat, let me just make a couple of concluding comments. Thank you very much. I've got a display as well, yes. Yeah, in the hub. There's a display in the hub. Okay, so I hope you've enjoyed that. Uh, thank you, Phil. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Lillian and Joseph. And I think with the Zambian situation, sometimes there's a prophetic lead, sometimes there's a circumstantial lead, sometimes it's skills, sometimes it's retired people, sometimes it's a pastor who feels God speaking to them, sometimes it's just an individual. I believe that more and more contacts are going to come between us and those 35 churches and growing numbers of churches there. I'm also involved with another hat on doing a training, leadership training program, but you'll hear about that tonight, which uh, Joseph has taken in Kitwe. That's another partnership. Um, as we conclude, can I just suggest, if you have the opportunity at the end of this, um, do have a look at the Jubilee Plus store. Um, we've got a number of different leaflets there. 
Uh, we're hoping that churches will partner with us uh, by a small monthly donation um, to help us increase our capacity to serve the churches across this nation. Um, if you're interested in being a partner church, there's a green leaflet there. There's three research documents that we produce. We've done lots of research into social action in churches across the nation and show an interesting picture of what's actually happening across the nation. We use this research in public discussion with government, charities, other churches and various agencies. And don't forget the myth of the undeserving poor, which we wrote as a prophetic statement about the fact that poverty and um, is something that can't be over-politicized and something where we can't use our own prejudices as a means of not engaging with real needs, whether that's in the UK, which this book is about, or in the developing world, the same principle applies. So that's in the bookstore. So thanks for being with us. It's half past now, within a few seconds, so if you have children, um, do go and get them. Thanks for coming. Can we show our appreciation once more for all our contributors this morning? Thank you so much. Do come tomorrow. Hope for justice, human trafficking and modern slavery, one of the greatest issues of our day. You need to hear about it. Hopefully see you tomorrow.